blew me off for a bottle of tequila. Tequila's no good for you. Doesn't call, doesn't write. It's not nearly as much fun to wake up to. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scalpels and Tequila, a Grey's Anatomy recap podcast. I'm Ayla. And I'm Tamsin. And this is Season 3, Episode 6, Let the Angels Commit, which I think is a weird title. Straight. I had not done my vocal warm-ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. This song is nothing. It's I've never heard it before, but... This episode had some bangers from the early thousands. Yeah, it had, it did. This is a good playlist episode. Um, but to make up for the great playlist, man, did we hear the word slut more often. Mm-hmm. And I've heard it in since high school, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot. It was too much. So much. Miss Honey, put it away. Miss Honey with the language and the bitchiness. Like, what is happening? Although I do appreciate that she was kind of there defending Addison, but. Not at the expense of anyone else. No. I will say that I loved just the candor of her voice and the way she spoke. That woman could start a cult. Oh, yeah. I would I would listen. Yeah, she holds herself in such a particular way. She has such an intense presence. Mm-hmm. It's just, just, I don't know, listening to her speak was very pleasing. It is funny that she's Miss Honey, isn't it? Like this character is so the opposite of Miss Honey. How, how did no one on our Instagram realise that Nancy was Miss Honey? I didn't think that I was going to flip everyone out so much, but I've always known it's Miss Honey. A couple of people did, but potentially it's because you... Said it. I didn't know. I had never thought about it before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I loved Miss Honey and her hummingbirds. So amazing. So let's start with Meredith's monologue. I'm going to read the whole thing today because it is not that long. To make it, really make it as a surgeon, it takes major commitment. We have to be willing to pick up that scalpel and make a cut that may or may not do more damage than good. It's about being committed. Because if we're not, we have no business picking up that scalpel in the first place. There are times when even the best of us have trouble with commitment, and we may be surprised at the commitments we're willing to let slip out of our grasp. Commitments are complicated. We may surprise ourselves by the commitments we're willing to make. True commitment takes effort and sacrifice, which is why sometimes we have to learn the hard way to choose our commitments very carefully. Is this (laughs) too on the nose? about what the theme is. So it took me a hot second to figure out what the fuck Greg was talking about mm-hmm. when it came to ham and eggs. Yeah, but I think it's supposed to. It's You're supposed to be like, what are you talking about? You're supposed to be like George in that moment. Did you did you understand it by the end? You're either involved or you're committed. Yeah, 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 totally. Well, yeah. as soon as George, I feel like I am George in that moment, figuring it out with George. And when he gets it, I got it. I was like, ah. Oh, no, I got it for like by the end of the episode. I was like, oh, a chicken makes the egg, whereas a pig has to die to make a ham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. A chicken just is committed like it's like here's my egg. It's involved. It's involved, but a pig makes the ultimate commitment. commitment. Oh, my God. Can we just say like, look, I normally love Meredith's monologues. This one has got to be one of my least favourites. This everyone it's just not very well. Can I just say they say commitment eight times in that monologue? Eight times? Yeah, that's why I just it's not my favorite. It's just two on the like it's said in every sentence the word commitment. It's like, okay, guys, I, I get it. I understand what this episode is about. <laughs> you like more nuance, you like your A-list to be more confused. I do. I, I do. do. <laughs> So, yeah, there is absolutely no question about what this episode is about. And even our characters are really obvious in this as well. As you said, Derek's sister's in town and she is there just to harp on at him about all of the commitments that he broke mm. when it came to Addison and, quote, unquote, the slutty intern. George is working with Addison on Noel Stanson, who's having twins, but we find out that she broke a commitment, but her partner Greg is super into making the ultimate sacrifice. Didn't care for that. Sloane's angry at Karev for his lack of commitment to plastics, but we see that Karev does have ultimate commitment to the babies. Well, Christina is proving her complete and utter commitment to Burke. 
and the lie. Even though she's hurting Bailey and pushing away her friends. Izzy's committed to doing everything that she can. To come back. Yeah, to regain trust. And her emeritus patient is committed to not doing that fucking exam. Totally. So we start. We start this episode and Christina is kind of running the OR board. She's standing next to someone else who works another... Scrub nurse? uh, I'm not sure what this person's job title is. Another surgeon maybe who is writing up the board the day's surgeries. And Christina is just going, no, Burke won't do that. This has to be Burke's intern. Burke has to do this. And then Christina takes the pen and takes the little wipey thing and writes on the board herself to our other interns' shock and horror and confusion. But also telling off residents, no, bugger off, you aren't allowed in this surgery. She's not being very subtle. But also this is a lot of pressure on her. I feel like Burke could probably be writing up his own boards because we find out that she's been doing it all week. Totally. It is really strange that Burke isn't isn't doing it himself. I, I do find that really odd, but I mean, it's connected to this. It's connected to the theme of the episode and it's connected to Christina and Burke's patient a bit down the line. So I do understand she's kind of trying to be, trying to show us how committed she is to Burke and how she is doing everything she can for this one person and how that should be. She should It should be seen as her being kind of noble and protective, but it is weird that Burke isn't doing it and he just kind of watches her do it. He just kind of, you know, leers at her around corners and watches her kind of do it. And then gets mad at her for doing it. Yeah. Um, And then we've got George also being leery and chasing Callie down a hallway, demanding that she give him the time of day. Yeah. He's just not leaving her alone. He's turned into Derek. Who I think had the worst morning so far. Definitely. But she's getting out of the shower and someone's just there. Oh, it doesn't matter who it is. If they don't live in my house, I would be terrified. <laughs> like, what, are you, what are you doing? doesn't matter if it's yeah. family. Yeah, because, like, dick out. I mean, he does have a towel. It's a very big towel, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a very small house. So Derek steps out of the shower in a big towel. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a woman sitting on the bed. We find out pretty quickly honey. it is his sister Nancy slash Miss Honey. And then Meredith walks into the trailer, is so shocked. And she does not find out. She assumes, you know, obviously, I think as many people would assume. Well, there's a beautiful woman reclining mm-hmm. upon his pillows. And Derek has just come out of the shower, so he looks a little bit naked and wet, and there's a woman in there. So Meredith runs away, and that's the first time we hear this this word, slutty intern. And Nancy says, I'm guessing that's the slutty intern. But I am proud of Derek. He steps up for Meredith and he says consistently this episode she's not slutty. And my notes just say, well, your tune's changed. Oh, yeah. Fair. Fair. Yeah, because he called her a whore or a slut or something in the yeah. In the stairwell. Several times. I don't I don't want to say that people can't change, but I think they need to own up to their shitty behaviour in order for me to respect that change. Yeah, definitely. Uh, she's owed so many apologies. So many. So the next thing we get is everyone arriving at the hospital again, which is weird. We've already seen them at the hospital this morning, but then we have them arriving again. We have George and Meredith and Izzy in the elevator and we find out that it's Izzy's first day. Do we find out or does Izzy just nervously start verbal diarrheaing over everyone? And I'm guessing considering they live together, they've all dealt with this the entire car ride there, (laughs) over coffee in the morning, in the bathroom, in the hallway, and they're both fucking done with it. They really are because they have their own problems today as well. And Izzy gets out of the elevator first and then we get this really adorable scene. And I don't say that about George very often, but really, really fucking cute scene with Meredith and George. I'll be your Christina if you be my Izzy. Mm, I love it. (laughs) They both take a big deep breath and Meredith just comes out with it. 
I went to see Derek at the trailer this morning and there was an ugly woman, and by ugly I mean beautiful, tall and statuesque woman lying on his bed. Mm-hmm. And George just whips out the most beautiful, ugh, gross, McSteamy doing the McNasty with McTall and beautiful. McHottie. McHottie, sorry. That, that McBastard. And he goes, was that Christina enough? And yeah, so now it's instead of getting a reply, uh, Meredith is like, okay, okay, I'm channeling Izzy. I'm channeling Izzy. And George just has a little piss and a whinge that he's now <laughs> decided that he wants Callie back because she broke up with him and, you know, he, he's lost his toy, so now it's important to him. It's so upsetting that George is so whiny about this. I mean, Callie was there. Callie was like, this is me. I'm all in. I'm all yours. And he kept treating her like shit. And now he's like, oh, Callie won't forgive me. Callie won't talk to me. Callie dumped me. But Callie wasn't just there for him. She was there for Izzy. She was there for Christina. She was there for Meredith. Yeah. She came around and just cooked food and looked after their entire household. And she put herself out there when the panties were on the notice board. She was like, they're mine. Mm-hmm. She she, has, she really planted herself in that friendship group for George mm-hmm. and got teased and mocked and belittled and bullied by George's friends and George didn't stick up for her once. Yeah, and Meredith's trying to be supportive and Izzy and just goes, seriously, seriously. Seriously, you are a catch. George keeps being called that. You are great. You deserve better. You are George. I mean, seriously, seriously. (laughs) Seriously. And then George finally clicks and says, we are now the people, the people we want to be with hate. Mm -hmm. Um, No, George, Callie's, you know, just waded through the heart and the elevator fog Mm -hmm. and come out the other side. And realise that she deserves better. But what does George do? He still finds Callie. He still goes up to Callie, still consistently just wants Callie's attention. It's so infuriating. The sexual harassment in this TV show, mind-boggling. Callie literally said, like, stop chasing me. You had your chance. I gave you everything. And he does it in a weird way. Like, I like the eggs and ham analogy. I do. I think it's good. Mm. But I think walking up to someone and out of nowhere saying you can be the pig or the chicken and you were the pig. Not okay. And I was the chicken. Absolutely now not I okay. Be the pig. Kelly has every right to have said to his face, like, did you just call me a pig? You just called me a pig. And then and all our women ask for in this show is just to be left alone, mm. to be in their feelings, and especially yeah. to not have to deal with these kind of emotional situations within their workplace. Like Callie says, I break bones for a living. I am an incredible woman in my career and in my life, and you have made me question all of that. Mm -hmm. Leave me alone, Dowdy Will. What I do like, she says, stop chasing me unless you're ready to catch me. I'm like, that's so fair. I mean, I think she she should just say I'm done. Like you can't chase me at all anymore, but I think... I think that's a really important little lesson for so many people. You shouldn't chase anyone unless you're... There are repercussions. Yeah. It affects someone else. You chasing someone actually affects that other person. Be considerate to how your actions affect other people. So we have three patients today. We have Gretchen, who's burnt her hand. We have Mr. Pruitt, who's getting a Humpty Dumpty surgery. And Noel Stanson, no, sorry, Noel Stanson. I wrote it in my notes and I was like, I'm going to say her name wrong. <laughs> Who has not one but two babies in not one but two uteruses. Uteri? Uteruses. Uteruses? Uteri. Uteruses. <laughs> Does that mean she gets two periods? Oof. I'm Oh, actually, I haven't even looked up the. So you've got the uterus and the fallopian tubes, mm-hmm. right? They release the egg. I wonder if that means that her entire baby-making situation is sort of split down the middle so that each uterus has one fallopian tube. Yeah. Are you doing a Google? Because I'm thinking of that image that Alex brought up, but it doesn't explain. Yeah, I would be so interested 
to know actually. Oh, okay. So you don't get two separate periods. You get two periods in one. So you get like a double period at the same time. They said it's like doubly heavy. Oh, my God, no. I don't know if we spoke about this last time, but I saw a a video recently where a woman did the maths and basically figured out the average woman will spend about seven years of her life bleeding Mm. and in tremendous pain. Her whole point was we should put significantly more work into helping women and mm-hmm. m- menstrual health because it's seven years. Mm. That's so wild. Oh, no, it says here they can. Some women might have two periods in a month. Either way, it's not great. Yeah. So it's terrible either way. It's not great. So let's start with Noel. Noel. Yeah, let's start with Noel. So Noel has, she's been transferred across from Mercy West. Mercy West is useless. My God. <laughs> Shouldn't it just be called a general practice at this point? Yeah, I just think they can't do a lot. They can't do a lot there. Yeah. So she's transferred over from Mercy West and she has double, she's having a double pregnancy. And Alex has gotten off Addison's service because Alex wants to be with Mark in plastics. So George is working with Addison today. He's very smug about it. And the husband is Greg. Fiance. Sorry. The fiance is where we learn this little thing called Are You the Chicken or Are You the Pig? Ham and eggs. Yeah. Are you just involved or are you fully committed? And he's kind of saying this in regards to having two babies because he is very excited. Is saying that he's the fiance a lot because he wants people to know that he is the ham. He's just so in love. They found out they were pregnant and he was like, cool, let's do it. Let's get married. I'm all in. We had a baby. Mm. Let's be together. But we find out due to Addis that they've been sent to the hospital because one of the babies is underdeveloped. A little bit of testing later, and Addison comes in to let them know that, yeah, one is not underdeveloped. It's just not as old as the other one. It was conceived six weeks later. And oof, isn't Addison good at putting her foot in it? Yeah, because we find out pretty quickly that six weeks earlier, these two were not having the sex. No, she was not prepared for the marriage and they end up breaking up about it. Um, So she took her frustrations out on somebody else. And unfortunately, fortunately, I don't know, yep. things happen and she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Pretty uncomfortable for Greg in the room. He gets pretty upset. Well, because it's the little girl Mm -hmm. that's not paternally his. And we see him calming her down by telling her sports stories. And he's so in love with this little baby that's inside her belly. And it's so sweet. And he's just a bit devastated. And he leaves. Yep. He needs a bit. He needs a bit. Mm -hmm. It would feel very complicated, very overwhelming. I totally understand how they're both feeling in this moment. It's it's the Ross and Rachel debacle because that's all I could think of. Totally. I don't feel like we she did anything wrong. They've broken up. I've always been on Ross's side. Totally. <laughs> yeah. You probably go out, do something dumb. Yeah. And then do someone dumb. Yeah, because I get it. Yeah. They're heartbroken. And just like she says, it was one time. Hot damn, this girl is fertile. I really struggled with the word fertile then. And unfortunately, one and done. Oh yeah, because she has a massive panic attack and it forces her into sudden labor. Complications happen and she needs to go into surgery. She's in labor. George is in in there with Addison. Nancy, Derek's sister who's roaming around, has decided that she wants in, which I thought really complicated and weird. I was like, can you just do that? You've got to get privileges. I think. Why can Nancy just walk into that? What privileges? Yeah. She does say to Addison, like, hey, I really want to see two uteruses. And Addison says, come and see me later. So maybe Addison did a little sneaky and like let her come and watch. That's very confusing. Alex is also in there. Mm-hmm. Well, because Alex has been spending all day on the sidelines just outside the periphery researching uteruses and sort of popping his head in on the case and asking questions about cervixes and whatnot. Alex is kind of realising how much he was learning with Addison. 
how much mm-hmm. he was allowed to do, how good he is at surgery because Mark isn't really letting him do much, unfortunately. And as George puts it, he's just doing the scut. He's getting coffees and booking stuff and on hold a lot yep. and not really doing much in the way of surgery. I love that Mark just gives him his phone for the day because nowadays that seems so wild, like just letting someone else be in charge of your phone all day. Totally. It's a huge commitment. So they're in surgery yeah, and they need to deliver baby boy. But unfortunately, as they're getting really amongst it, they're Getting it out, they have to do, I want to say, some sort of C-section. Addison is about to cut this baby out. While this is happening, the baby girl is having a few complications, I think because these uteruses are connected. Clearly this goes right over my head. They're babies. They roll around and they get agitated. But to be able to safely remove one baby while simultaneously keeping the other baby calm so it doesn't make itself leave needs to be held onto by George and held still because if anything happens and Addison nicks the wrong thing, they're going to have to deliver a very premature baby. So baby girl is obviously in a bit of distress and starts wriggling around. I know BP's going up, the mother's going into distress and Addison's just screaming at George to try and Calm, saying, hold the baby still, hold it still. And George is like, I can't, it's too wriggly. No. Because George is terrible at calming women down or speaking to women in general. Oh, my God. Ayla! Way to bring that home. (laughs) You know who is at calming women down and telling them everything they need to hear? Mark's tiny towel. (laughs) And Karev, uh, because he's been peeking around those doorways, he noticed that when Greg... The dad was talking to his baby girl. He was getting really excited to introduce her to all of his favorite sports stars and tell her stories about these triumphant wins. So Alex just pops right in with a story about Muhammad Ali with a similar candor that the baby's father has. And immediately this baby's BP drops and she starts to calm down. And this is after Addison has been like, Alex, get the fuck away from the table. Alex is incredible. Sports, sports, sports. Muhammad Ali getting in wrestling, wrestling, rah, 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 like this this thing and I have no idea what they're talking about, but he was like reiterating commentary of a sports game, wrestling. Yeah, neither of us can repeat any of it. And very quickly the baby starts calming down and Alex saves the day. He's doing quite well. That man is a literary genius. But they come we come back to Noelle and she's sort of coming in and out of surgery and she asks Addison three times, Where am I? Am I okay? What happened to the baby? Is Greg here? That scared me for a little bit. I was like, is there some brain thing going on? Has she lost her memory? Have you had surgery before? Yeah, you have. Yeah. How do you go with anesthetic? Silly. I turn into a silly silly person. Silly goose. <laughs> a little silly goose. Yeah. Yeah. I remember once having this doctor tapping me on the forehead awake and oh fuck I was furious with him so I tried to grab his lanyard because I wanted to pull him down and punch him in the face second I woke up I realized that I was like right next to his balls what I should have just punched him in the dick why was his balls in your face what what do you mean he was tapping me on the forehead he deserved to be punched I was very sleepy because he was standing next to me and I was on a bed oh right Okay. I once woke up from anesthetic and oh, I was leaving the hospital. I was with Tom and I, I started crying and he was like, why are you crying? And apparently, I don't remember this. Apparently I started crying so much and he was like, tell like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, I had a really funny joke to tell you and I forgot it. <laughs> and apparently I cried about it for ages and he thought it was so funny. I was like, it was a really good joke. <laughs> And I can't remember it. it. And I just cried and cried. But yeah, she's like, where's Greg? Where's Greg? And George has had a little chat with Greg. George has gone and reminded Greg, like, hey, I thought you were the ham. I thought you were the pig. Well, yeah, because George is running around getting all this medical stuff together because the babies are coming. And Greg's standing at the nurse's station right outside her room. And he's twiddling his thumbs and wringing his hands. And George is like, 
you left, she freaked out, had a panic attack, and now she's going into labor. And we're trying to save the babies because, you know, they're coming. And he has the audacity to say, which one? Because at this stage, he knows the boy is his, but the girl isn't. Mm. So when she's coming out of anesthesia and on the third, Mm. where's Greg? He pops Mm. his head around the corner and he says, I'm right here. I just saw our baby boy. He's so beautiful. I can't wait to meet our girl. Because George has cracked the shits at him and actually stood up for a woman for once. And when he's freaking out, you know, he says, eggs or ham, bro? Why is it always breakfast food with men? It's weird, but this metaphor works as much as I don't like it. This metaphor works. And it snaps this guy kind of back. He comes back into the room. He says he saw their baby boy. And then he puts his hand on her stomach and says, um, how's our baby girl? And that made me really emotional, actually, that little moment. I wasn't expecting it, but it did. There was something, something about it hit me in the feels and it was nice. See, all I could think about was maybe don't touch the part of her body that's just being cut open with a scalpel. Ayla, always with the, like, the truth, you know? You see straight through the emotional stuff and you go straight to the, like... <laughs> the logistics of it all? Yeah. I put facts into the story. I'm aware that I've ruined story. stories. And, you know, you look at the whole picture. This is It's important. It's important. I'm just, you know those people who see a bruise on another person and they poke it and say, oh, does this hurt? Yeah. Or, like, they touch your sunburn and ask if it hurts. Yeah, fuck those people. Fuck you if you're one of those people, listeners. It's not It's not all right. It's not all right. You know what else isn't all right? Bailey's treatment this episode. Yeah, so Bailey's having a really hard time. So since the M&M, Bailey has been feeling like a lot of other surgeons are kind of treating her like she's damaged goods. Yeah, walking on eggshells a bit. Yeah, like she needs to earn their respect back. But it's Izzy's first day back at the hospital. And Izzy's obviously gone through everything with the chief and and HR and legal. And Bailey gets called into the chief's office and finds out Mm -hmm. that Izzy is being put back on her service and rightly asks whether or not Izzy should be put on someone else's service just for a little bit of distance. And that's when the chief, chief tells her that some people had some questions. So Bailey asks a few people whether or not they feel that way about her. Because Bailey's entire personality revolves around respect yeah. and doing the right thing. Well, she has worked really fucking hard to be respected. Unfortunately, she had to work doubly hard. Yeah, she's a teeny tiny POC woman. Yep. She fought through a lot of shit to become Dr. Bailey. So for her respect to be in question, for her to feel like she's lost that respect from some people, for her to feel like she's gone back a step, especially after this whole baby watch thing, it's a lot. I feel for Bailey. Also, and the fact that Dr. Burke is still copping none of the blame for this. Even though he, yeah, he kind of admitted to some fault during the, oh, no, he didn't really. But he did have to speak about it at the M&M. He was up there too. And yet still he just does not, it all is falling on Bailey's shoulders. And now she's going to lump some of that on Izzy's. Because they end up catching up and Izzy tells her, yep, I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do that to make sure everything's right. And Bailey says, no, no, no. Do you know what you have to do for me to make it right? Bailey's got a pretty long and strict list of rules of what Izzy isn't. Well, I think that's kind of important. I think people need to see that Bailey is, that Izzy has is being punished under Bailey. I think she feels like the rest of her colleagues need to see that she is making it hard for Izzy, that she's punishing Izzy, that she's making sure Izzy starts from the bottom a little bit and works her way back up. I don't even think that's for the rest of her colleagues. I think she is reinstilling in Izzy that you do not get away with this behaviour mm. scot-free and you have to earn some respect from me before I'm willing to let you go near anyone and make the same mistakes. So she is not allowed to interacting with patients. She is to be seen and not heard. Mm -hmm. No treating patients, no touching Mm -hmm. patients, no OR, no gallery. You will be shadowing a new doctor every day and observing only. And today the doctor she'll be observing is Meredith, who is working on Gretchen in the OR. ER, 
oh, why can't I get those right? So this is a bit hard because all of a sudden one of Izzy's best friends is his housemate. Confidant. Izzy's equal is now her boss, Mm. which makes things a little bit tricky. But I understand where Bailey's coming from because Bailey's like, well, you have to even earn the respect back to shadow an attending. You can't even shadow an attending yet. You have to shadow an intern. She's really putting Izzy through the paces. And I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. But yeah, so Meredith's patient today is called Gretchen and her hand is all burnt up. And she's saying that she needs her hand because she's studying to be a lawyer and just take the bar exam. And she couldn't take it because she burnt her hand. So please fix me, get me better. I need to get back out Mm. there and do the bar. And a lot of this episode as well is kind of focusing on the how much Izzy has missed and how things have changed. We do get little comments like that from Izzy kind of throughout the episode. Even in this, Meredith says, can you get me the burn tape or burn something, some medical thing for burns, and Izzy gets it. And Meredith says, we don't use that anymore. Can you get yeah. me the other one? Dr. Sloan's new protocol. Just a small little detail because there's lots of yeah. little changes for Izzy yeah. this episode. And they start debriding the hand, uh, cleaning it out, and Sloan comes in to sort of check in and see how it is. And as Sloan's there, Gretchen retells her story about exactly what happened, something about a, a kettle burning and them moving it and did not wanting to start a fire because she was studying so hard. And Sloan really quickly clocks, oh, well, you must have left your hand there for a little bit or been holding onto it for a while. Sloan? Meredith? Izzy? No. Sloan is the one who clocks it and says, oh, you must have been holding on to that pot or burning thing for a while to be able to get burns this deep. Mm -hmm. And she says, oh, am I going to – he's like, oh, if you held on for any longer, you would have need skin grafts. Mm -hmm. She again repeats that she needed to be good for her surgery. Exam. Will she need the grafts or for the exam? And will she need the grafts? No, 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 you'll be right as rain for Friday. Just as Izzy hears her say, Oh, but if I needed skin grafts, I wouldn't be okay for Friday. And Izzy tells Meredith, hey, I think that she's done this to herself. And Meredith just assumes that Izzy's hearing zebras and not horses. Well, I think Izzy also, I mean, I think Meredith also is concerned about Izzy becoming emotionally attached to a patient. And that's, you know, the problem that happened last time. And that's kind of a thing that Bailey is trying to prevent by not letting Izzy have opinions, not letting Izzy talk. And I think Meredith is trying to do right by Bailey and kind of shut it down. It's like you shouldn't, Mm. you know, yeah, we shouldn't be talking about this. You shouldn't have an opinion about this. I think you're getting too connected. Mm -hmm. Let's try and shut it down. But Izzy kind of pushes on. Advocates. Presses on with her theory. And she breaks one of Bailey's big rules, wrapping her up for the final time, Gretchen, that is. And she asks Meredith how severe her burns would need to be to get skin grafts. And there's a lot of eyebrows in this scene. And Meredith is still not asking her the question. And Izzy finally breaks the rules and says, did you burn your hand on purpose? We don't care either way. We just need to know if you burnt your hand on purpose because you didn't want to set the bar. And we find out this horrific story that Gretchen's failed the bar five times and thinks mm. that everyone assumes she's completely pathetic. She just feels like she can't fail it again. And the pressure that she's put herself under is too much. So she's really just trying to get out of the bar. So she's getting to this point where she's hurting herself because that feels easier. How about it's her fault for failing the bar if she couldn't take it? Izzy and Meredith put her in the elevator and they say, we have to go upstairs. They walk her up to psych. She clocks on pretty quickly. She's like, oh my gosh, where are we going? Where are we going? Don't take me here. And they are honest with her and say, we think you need some extra help. So we're just going to put you on a little hold for 72 hours. And she really doesn't want that. She's very scared of the stigma of, you know, being seen. She's like, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And Izzy is really incredible in this moment. Izzy can see herself kind of reflected in Gretchen and Izzy says, Izzy says this line that I wrote down because I think it's really beautiful and I think it's really, I just think it's really important. She says, you need some help, Gretchen. If the idea of taking an exam makes you hold your palm to a burner, you need some help. Everyone needs help from time to time, someone to look out for them. 
make sure they're okay, make sure they're ready. I have that and you need that right now. Mm -hmm. She needs to wait until she's ready. She's not ready. She just needs some help and that's okay. It's so okay to ask for help. Sometimes you can't do it by yourself. And Izzy can't at the moment. And I actually think Izzy accepting that she isn't going to be in ORs and isn't going to have much pressure and isn't really going to be talking to patients, I think it's okay with Izzy at the moment. I think Izzy's accepted that this is her easing her way back in, being under these strict rules, yes, but it it's actually for Izzy's own benefit as well. I don't think throwing Izzy back in the deep end, back into surgery would be healthy for her at all. I think this is exactly what she needs. As much as it is seen as like a punishment, I think it's also, you know, wrapping her up in a little blanket for a little while. We don't really have too much of a timeline. We don't know how long she's been out of practice for. Yeah. And to be honest, she's an intern. She's a she baby. Yeah. So I think sometimes important. So I think this is really nice. That there was a really important piece of cinematography in this when Izzy reaches out to her and offers her a hand because that's all they're doing. They're offering her the chance to have a bit of reprieve from the pressure she's putting on herself. And I like that they're not, it, there's no shame in this. They're not shaming her. They're not blaming her. They're not trying to make her feel bad. They're like letting her have some time and some help. But speaking of pressure, it's what I think this episode should be more about because Christina needs to lay the fuck off Burke and Burke needs to take some of this weight off Christina. We are seeing their relationship at its most toxic. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's exactly what it is because I think uh, I think at the time watching this when I was younger, I thought this was like, the ultimate self-sacrificing act of love and being there for your partner, you know? And it's it's so toxic. He he thinks that she's organized this Humpty Dumpty surgery because she wants to do a big exciting surgery. Because there's only a few people in the country who can do it. And Purit's lovely wife has come in doing all this research and is advocating so hard for her partner and she's worked so hard to help him get what he needs, similar to Christina. And Christina's trying to do the same thing for Burke. She's trying to make sure that he's being held at the same standard. So she schedules him this surgery. She finds it for him, trying to do a nice thing. But he pulls her aside and is like, why the hell have you done this? Why have you gotten such a complicated surgery when you know what's going on? Why did you do this without telling me? The without telling me thing, that line is hard. She rightly says, I have organized all of your surgeries Mm -hmm. all week without telling you what they are. And I'm like, cool. So you're letting an intern who already has double the workload you do organize all of your surgeries, the board, the attendings, the OR, the the OR staff as well. Uh, But then at the same token, she's also ignoring his request to not want to do this surgery. And it's just bounding around. And we see that very much reflected in this husband and wife. And the wife, we see her yelling at a nurse later because Her husband hasn't gotten his medication on time. Yeah. And she confesses to Christina that before all of this, she wasn't a yeller. She wasn't mean. She wasn't a terrible person. She says, I'm becoming a horrible person who's yelling at people who are just trying to do their job. This is where we get the biggest insight into Christina's Mm -hmm. character at this moment because this is such a reflection on Christina. She turns around and she says, it's also interesting because Christina is never this. Actually, she is, but it's she is actually. She is. She she lets this out in front of patients a fair amount. And like you're just realizing, I realized it this episode. She says, as well. You are just looking out for your husband. You do what it takes to protect him. And that does not make you horrible. That makes you smart. Do you remember a couple of episodes ago? where she was bonding with a patient's partner over how hard it is to be the carer. 
this whole thing is stressing her out in this entire episode. We see her snapping and snarking at her friends and hiding in corners and researching and studying and doing everything she can to make sure that she knows how to do this surgery. She has turned her life around and now her life completely revolves around being Burke, which it's interesting because clearly, you know, she wants Mm -hmm. to be like Burke when she's older, more trained, when she can get the credit, when it can be her name on the board, when, but this is her being Burke, doing all this extra work to be him in secret. To make sure that his reputation is still held strong. Exactly. What she doesn't realise she's doing is she's not only hurting herself in this, but Dr. Bailey sees that this surgery is taking place and she's excited about it because she had a chat with Burke about what Dr. Weber had said about some other surgeons raising concerns. So she went to Dr. Burke and asked him if he was one of those, and he said no. So she saw that he's doing a surgery she's never witnessed before, and she puts her name on the board. Great. She's excited. She's having a hard day. Her intern who killed a man has come back. She's got found out that she's loose, lost some respect, so she's going to do something that's make her a little bit happy. Well, and also to kind of prove that she, for herself and potentially for Dr. Burke as well, to prove that she deserves to be here. She's just as capable as she ever has been. Mm-hmm. She needs to feel it because she's lost yeah. a lot of her own confidence. She's starting to get a bit stressed that, you know, people are looking at her a little bit differently now. So she needs to get back in the game. Doing this surgery, being in on this surgery that's a big deal is going to help with that. It's going to help her prove her worth. But it's also going to put yes. Burke and Christina at risk of being exposed. So Christina takes her name off the board. Doesn't tell Burke that this happened, Mm -mm. but Christina sneakily gets with an eraser and wipes the name off the board. Surgery happens. Humpty Dumpty surgery goes. Bokey makes faces. Bokey makes faces and Burke makes a few comments to Christina like, hey, you're really good. You did all your homework. Talks her up. Because she really has been working really hard to be good enough and I think it's important that we are shown that and we understand that as much as, yeah, Christina's doing all this for Burke and covering up for Burke, she's also actually very, very good as well and I think that's important. This cover-up is working. I mean, they've only just kind of started this. Christina says they're like a well-oiled machine and they totally are and we've proven that but unfortunately like some things are slipping through the cracks because they're being a little bit obvious about it with Christina constantly writing on the board with Christina studying so hard. The interns know that Christina is only doing Burke surgeries now because clearly she doesn't have time for anything else. Again, Burke needs to be taking some of the responsibility. Why isn't Burke managing his surgeries? He's not doing a lot. No. So he could be the one finding the surgeries, dictating the board, doing all the things All he has to do is request Christina on his service and it wouldn't wouldn't lead to Dr. Bailey feeling this way because after the surgery they've just come out and Dr. Bailey confronts Burke and says, I need to know why you didn't want me in your surgery. Yeah. This is heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And he just says, I couldn't use you. Well, he notices Christina. Christina is watching this interaction. She's watching Bailey say, like, people are questioning my abilities. I didn't think you were one of them. Why did you take me out of your surgery? I have to assume that you did that. You took me off the surgery. And, yeah, Burke sees Christina's face, knows exactly what's happened and says, I couldn't. Bailey is heartbroken. But, again, he still doesn't change any of his behaviour. Because by the end of this episode, Bailey's walking past the OR board and seeing Christina, an intern who has no right to touch a marker, writing on the board. Confidently as well. Like she does it all Mm -hmm. the time. This isn't her being, this is the problem as well. She's not sneakily adjusting the board. She's very confidently, it's like, you know, she's been doing this all week. It's bizarre that Bailey hasn't actually noticed this yet. The problem is that Burke is not the one doing it. Yeah. Christina should not be going anywhere near that. 
for the sake of Burke's cover. Well, yeah, exactly. Bailey's face at the end of this episode when Bailey sees Christina changing the board is this mixture of like, well, understanding for one, she realises instantly, oh, Christina took my name off the board. Burke didn't. Burke must have been covering for Christina. Why is Christina changing the board? What the fuck is going on? And I think it's also there has to be a feeling in Bailey of like, oh, shit, I've missed something else with another one of my interns. This could be easy repeated. I've let something else slip. Oh, I've let something else slip. Mm. I didn't even think about it that way. You're so right. Poor Bailey. Justice for Bailey. I mean, but then you go, yeah, she kind of did. How has it been a week of Christina only working with Burke when interns are supposed to work for all the different specialties? They're supposed to get a sense of everything, you know? Well, to be honest, there's been some extenuating circumstances. Like, for example, nobody's worked in cardio since Burke's been away. So maybe it's just Christina's week on. Mm. Mm. It's not good. It's really taking a toll on Christina because she is – kind of pushed a lot of people away. She's becoming so isolated. So fucking mad at Burke for not taking any responsibility for any of his actions and blaming all of it on someone else. Mm -hmm. He blames his arm on Izzy. He blames everything on fucking Christina. And he is still choosing to not tell Derek or the chief that he is having hand Mm -hmm. tremors because I don't fucking know. So there's a couple more things I do want to talk about in this episode, we have mentioned Nancy. Nancy is here. Nancy keeps calling Meredith the slutty intern consistently. To her face, in her workplace, in front of other people. We also get this moment of Nancy walking around the hospital, Nancy seeing Mark. They give each other a big hug. And we find out that sleeping with Mark is a rite of passage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We learned that Nancy slept with Mark. We learned that Nancy being all up in Derek's business is not what Derek wants and he promptly is like, Go away, well, leave me alone. Leave me alone. You don't know what you're talking about. Mark and Addison were not a one-time thing like you think. We also find out that Nancy and Addison are good friends. They give each other a big hug. It's kind of nice. I mean, as much as Nancy you know, isn't the nicest person towards Meredith. The dynamic between Nancy and Derek does feel very real. It does feel very sibling-y. There were some really lovely moments in this, like just before Meredith and Izzy run into Derek and Nancy on the, the bridge. There was just this beautiful shot of the two of them, like smiling and laughing together. And I was like, oh, that looks so genuine. I feel like that was just doesn't it? the bit they were having. Yeah, and um, Derek makes this comment like, oh, you're more and more like mum. Every day. Every day. And her, like, laughter and, like, poking fun at each other. I don't know. Their dynamic is feels really real. It does. It's really nice. It's really nice. And then they get honest with each other and, and Nancy just calls him out a little bit. And it's like, you've never been single. Mm-hmm. You should maybe spend some time figuring out what you want and how you want to achieve that. And he acts as if he doesn't take it seriously by saying, you know, his other sister is the the therapist. But did I miss something here? Because he meets Meredith in the stairwell and tells her that he needs some time. Meredith's having a time. Choices. Everyone's making interesting choices and committing to things that Maybe they shouldn't be prioritizing. Yeah. The main person, actually, no, this has nothing to do with that. I just was trying to make a segue and it was bad. I just want to talk about Weber. I just think we have to bring this up. What right does Chief Weber have to go up to Addison and Bailey and say, 
can you please sew this button on this shirt for me? <laughs> and she normally sews buttons on for me and I I can only see two other women in the room right now, so you must be able to do it. Can you please oh, the do this fragile Because I don't know how to sew on a button even though I'm a fucking surgeon. Because I left my wife and... I don't understand a needle and thread, which is what you kind of use every day for work you guys know how to sew buttons i mean he teaches interns how to like sew things together like bananas and oranges and stuff like do you not understand how to put a button on a shirt and he gets a bit stroppy about it too it's infuriating and i'm so glad that addison and bailey both shut him down addison's like i've got like two uteruses and babies to deliver and bailey says i have way more skills to use on better things. Did he not recently win in a battle against Christina when it came to sewing skills? I've always loved Weber. I've always assumed I love Weber. Why is this last season? Oh. What is going on? He keeps having these conversations and saying things and I'm just like, oh, no. It's the sulky little bitch boy face that he makes when they walk away okay maybe maybe Shonda at this time was trying to really point out how useless an entire generation of men were yeah maybe without the wives that they considered disposable it's a good question it's the fact that he bonds with Derek over this shit because this isn't the first time he's done this woe is me this is what I'm yeah he bonds with Derek about like oh I that whole conversation about like oh I I totally could have left Adele. I could have, but um, Ellis, it wasn't going to, I wasn't going to like be able to bring Ellis what she deserved. So I stayed with oh, Adele all instead. The, did you, did you square up when you punched Mark in the face? But it's the fact that mm. the next time we see him, he's in scrubs sewing on this button. And I'm like, wait, so if you popped a button, you couldn't have just, changed into a set of scrubs what do you mean when he's sitting there with his shirt on an operating table as Derek walks in he is not topless he's wearing a set of scrubs so rather than asking to having losing the respective two of your surgeons by asking them to sew on a fucking button for you couldn't have just changed into scrubs I mean he probably could have but he still wants his white coat the white la- the white coat is such a big thing the button wasn't on his white coat the button that he lost was on his shirt, his his button-down shirt. Oh, right. Yeah. That's also like, the fuck are you doing? And then him and Derek have another gross, bondy man moment, which we just despise at this point. Well, Weber actually says, like, because Derek comes in and says, like, oh, you, you should think about that as a blah, blah, blah stitch, like you're in surgery. And Weber actually has the audacity to say, I'm a surgeon. I know how to sew on my own buttons. That's like, do you? You're just begging Addison and Bailey to do it for you. I'm a real man, but only in front of men. But then Derek decides to do it Ugh. for him. And they have their little man-to-man chats where, I don't know, Derek is kind of complaining about his sisters and how hard it was. Mark sleeping with Addison was super hard for him because Mark was like his brother and he didn't grow up with the actual brother. He only got four sisters, four annoying sisters. So Mark was the favourite. You'd think Derek would have more respect for women after growing up with four sisters and a single mother. Yeah. Yuck, yuck. And then he starts to complain about his divorce. This this whole scene is so frustrating. Weber says, is divorce not all it's cracked up to be? And Derek says, I just want it to be easy. I want it to be over and I want to move on. The only time, because people have been asking Weber about Adele all season, but the only time when Weber brings up Adele or mentions even a little bit that he misses her and there's a, a hole in his life is her usefulness at home economics. Because this is how they're bonding. Divorce is not easy for Derek. And divorce is not easy for Weber because he says, should it be? No, it shouldn't be easy. 
absolutely this is why this this is so infuriating just because you guys have gotten the whole rest of your life off scot-free being men in these relationships doesn't mean it gets to me now Derek asks like oh is you know about about Weber's divorce and he says I'm sewing on a button for the first time in my life what does that tell you so Evan's mother has been staying with us for the last week because she had a hysterectomy on Monday. Mm-hmm. And we find out via a phone call that at 78 years old, Evan's father does not know how to use the washing machine that they have owned for 24 years. Wow. So he called up to ask the woman who had just had surgery mm. how to use the washing machine because she asked him to wash some stuff for her so it was ready when they got back. Fair enough couldn't do it that washing is still not done wow. she left today so she has to post-surgery go home and wash her own clothes so she can feel comfortable and not like she just has been in a hospital yes. mm. Mm. i think this is our the show's way of telling us that weber wants his wife back and that he's missing her but i'm gonna need some more of that i think adele deserves some more respect She definitely deserves more respect. She's put up with so much. Holy shit. She she shouldn't go back to him. (laughs) Well. I know. There is a list of women in this show that shouldn't go back to men. And our wrap-ups this week are all about the women that shouldn't go back to those men. Yeah, you're right, actually. Because Derek and Meredith bump into each other in in a stairwell and Derek tells Meredith that he just... Needs a bit of time. time. And she should run the fuck away as far as humanly possible in that time. We also see this beautiful moment. Christina is sitting alone in the locker room. Burke has just told her um, that she did really well, that she was really prepared, and she was like, yeah, I'm always prepared. And he says to her, I couldn't have done it without you. And then she goes and sits in the locker room and she just looks like the entire world is on her shoulders. Because as much as it's, you know, a nice thing to hear that someone needs you, I think it's dawning on her that like, oh, Burke actually cannot do anything without her now and this is her life now and she is pushed away her friends. Sorry, pushed away her friends. She's made her boss really uncomfortable. She's made Bailey upset. She's so isolated in this secret. And she's exhausted. Mm -hmm. She is holding together his career and her career, which hasn't even started. Again, women who should be running in the other direction. Uh, Meredith comes in and sees Christina. And now Meredith has just had this moment where Izzy has said to Gretchen that sometimes people just need people. Sometimes people need people to understand they need time. And Meredith comes in and sees Christina Mm. and says, I know you're going through something, but I'm here. And I'm here when you are ready. I will just be here. And Christina says, thank you, which I think is a really important addition to this script because Christina doesn't need to say anything in this moment. But the fact that she says thank you acknowledges that something's wrong and acknowledges that she does need Meredith at some point, but she just can't get. Also, have we ever heard a pleasantry out of Christina anymore? She doesn't tend to soften the edges with pleases and thank yous. No. no. She's exhausted. You know when you're so yeah. tired, you actually can't, your your world and your vision and your periphery become so small. She's really just so honed in and focused on Burke that it's like not much else exists. Yeah, she barely exists, to mm. be honest. It's really sad. Yeah. What else is really sad is that it looks like Callie is going to give fucking 007 another go, which he does not deserve. Too little, too late. She's too hot for it. But she's heartbroken. Mark Mark notices that she's not feeling great, and he offers to cheer her up, and she says that wasn't cheery. That was filthy. Side note, Alex sees this little interaction through the blinds. Um, but yeah, Callie's really, George has done a number on her. He's made her question everything and yet she is willing to give him another go. Uh, Yeah. This is where she says, 
if you're not ready to catch me, don't chase me, which is letting George know that she hasn't closed the door completely Mm -hmm. to him, which she fucking should have, honestly. Come on. Meredith should have shut the door on Derek a long time ago. Christina should be setting some fucking boundaries. Yeah. Ugh. Addison needs to just, you know, not let Derek make her feel like shit. Sorry. I don't know if you can hear it. My cat is snoring so loud. Wait, wait. Shh, 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 shh. and that is where we leave off for this episode but thank you all so much for listening and i'd really love it if you each committed at least one little thing that you are gonna do solely for you (laughs) this week be the ham about it and be the ham about it not the egg Right. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. Vagina. Sing it. Vagina. Vagina. Vagina.